For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming up, right? Welcome aboard, Dan Cilio on the National Football Show. This is Memorial Day week. Weekend coming up, four-day weekend, football, hot dogs, hamburgers, fireworks. I mean, look, we have enough fireworks on this program to have a 4th of July and a Memorial Day weekend each and every single day here on the National Football Show with your boy, Big Sales. We welcome you aboard with us. And I tell you this, and I'm reminded of this constantly by my boy, Xander. Do me a favor. Share the show. Tell people about the show. We love that. It's spreading like a foot fungus, dare I say. You've been in enough locker rooms like I have. I don't know how that sounds, but hey, I just said it live here on the National Football Show. We got a power-packed day lined up for you. In this hour, we will talk to our friend Ross Tucker. He has one of the best NFL podcasts that there possibly is. Works for NBC Sports. Longtime friend of mine. You know, he's a Penn State honk, you know, okay? And, you know, he always brings the fact up that Big Sills got beat by Penn State in the national title game, even though I do have one of those rings over here. You know, we didn't make it right the next year. Ross Tucker will be with us. That'll be in this hour. We'll talk to him about a plethora of stuff that's going on in the National Football League and some big news today. There are two big topics that we're going to start to show off with. Also, Tom Thayer, part of that great Chicago Bears 1985 football team, who's part of the broadcast for the Chicago Bears. How is Justin Fields looking as he goes to rookie camp? How are the team being constructed in this offseason by the McCaskies? Are we going to see Justin Fields right away, the rookie from Ohio State? How are they going to play this out this coming year in 2021, the Chicago Bears? Listen, that organization has destroyed quarterbacks just the same way that the New York Jets have destroyed the quarterback position. So we'll talk to our friend Tom there and get his point. He was on that great team in 85 that went 15-1 and and ended up winning a Super Bowl. So he's part of that broadcast team, as we said. We'll talk to him in the 5 o'clock hour. Also, our friend Boomer Esiason from CBS Sports, WFAN in New York. We will talk with him, and we'll wax around with some of the major topics, especially the topics of today, and that's where we're going to start. So, you know, I, I was going to start with Aaron Rodgers, but we've done enough of Aaron Rodgers, and I'll get to him here in a second. So I saw some pretty good television today. I saw Julio Jones get called on live television by Shannon Sharp on FS1, and he was asked the question, point blank, what's going on in Atlanta? And I'm paraphrasing here, I'm out of here. That's Julio Jones, 32 years of age, scheduled to make $23 million this year. Where are you moving that? You're not moving that. You're not moving that contract. Unless you're ready to restructure your contract, nobody is going to bring a player of 32 years of age with his skills diminishing. Last year was his worst season. 
Not that the Falcons the last two years have been putting up big numbers, but I would say this to you. I didn't really think that, you know, Matt Ryan put up bad numbers last year. They just put up bad numbers and crooked numbers on the defensive side of the football. That team has defensive issues and red zone issues. And you have an aging wide receiver, and this is what happens when you overpay that position. I'm going to flat out tell you, if I have to overpay for a position, it's going to be the quarterback position, not the stupid perimeter positions. You can't build a football team from the perimeter in. So here's what I think ends up happening. You're going to end up cutting that player, and you're going to be able to pick that player up on the open market when he goes down the wire. Then it's going to go down the wire. But if you sign that player off the wire, you've got to do what? You've got to pick up the contract. Nobody's going to pick up a $23 million a year contract for the next two years. No one's doing that. That player after June 1 will be cut. Now, the big hit will be with the Falcons. The Falcons are going to try to do every single thing they possibly can to move this player by June 1. Now, can you get creative because of the new collective bargaining agreement and defer some of the dead money out? That's the thing that these teams are now being afforded. Remember last week what I told you? I told you last week one of the things that because of this new collective bargaining agreement, that's why the Rams were able to get out from Clay Matthews Jr.'s contract and also from Todd Gurley's deal. They still owe Todd Gurley $25 million due to the Rams, but they have been able to defer that money out, and that's not so much of a cap hit to that team. They got a lot of dead money in Los Angeles with that Rams team. But because of the new CBA, it's helped these teams out a lot being able to push some of that money out. You see, what you don't ever want to have happen if you're the NFL, you don't ever want to turn out to be the NBA. And here's why. You don't want to do that because, hey, okay, if you sign a guy to a $265 million contract, you owe that guy $265 million. Whether that guy is John Wall or whether that guy is Kevin Durant or LeBron James. You owe that. It's guaranteed dough. You're paying that dude if he's got a busted wheel or if that guy is a superstar. It doesn't matter. And NFL teams have always had that caveat where if you're caught into a major contract, you can always cut the guy. And now with the new collective bargaining agreement, you're able to defer that money out. So if I'm an NFL team, and I, and I heard him say New England, you really think New England is going to pay $23 million to bring that dude up there? That's not how they operate. Patriots don't sign guys with big salaries. They dump guys with big salaries. I heard that. I'm like, I want to go to the pay. Patriots don't do that, dude. They'd rather have the Chris Hogan's of the world. Turn Julian Edelman from being a quarterback into a into a wide receiver. That's not their MO. You got to look at Washington or places like that that overpay for teams. I mean, those are those are the teams that overpay for players. Washington, the Raiders, okay? Those teams that are always what? Panicking. The teams that panic. The teams that have, have no patience with their own draft choices. Like, watch this. You know this for a fact. Julio Jones, that guy would never go to Pittsburgh. Why? Pittsburgh doesn't sign guys like that. No matter how talented he is. Hey, and for the record, I want you to understand this about Julio. I still think he's a good player. He's just saying a $23 million player. And, and I'll make a point to you on another player. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is a $16.5 million player either. I think he's a good player. 
I'm not paying that much money for him. You've overpaid. You've probably overpaid for Ezekiel Elliott $8 million. That's why I'm not keeping that guy on my roster. I can find a guy in the free agent market, bring him in and have the same production. Give me 61 yards. You know, if you get 63 yards a game, you're a 1,000-yard rusher in the NFL. And now with the extra game, you're certainly a 1,000-yard rusher. 63 yards is all you need to be a 1,000-yard rusher in the National Football. That number's down because of the extra game now, probably 61 yards. I'm not going to pay 15-5 for Zeke Elliott, and he's like half the player he was a couple years ago. This guy's falling back on his wallet. And I'm not doing that when it looks at Julio Jones' contract. I mean, look at Julio Jones' deal here, man. I mean, at the end of the day, Julio Jones is a fine ball player. I've said it to you. He's a fine ball player. But I'm not paying 23 million bucks. Everything has to have a limit, and it has to be balanced in your cap. These capologist guys know that the cap is going to go up next year. It is. But you have to still manage it so that you're able to sign and hire guys on your special teams. Do you know the point differential in the National Football League is three points, roughly around three points? What does that mean? Look how close these games are. No matter if you're a 6-10 and team or no matter if you're a 10-16 team or 10-16, no matter what it is, you're that close. So three points, of course you have to have balance in your roster. You have to. And that's why most teams, late in games, they get beat because they have a sorry-ass kicker or they give up a special teams play. Field position doesn't have to be a touchdown. How many times late in games do you see a football team get great field position and they got a really good kicker and they beat the opposing team that doesn't have decent special teams? We see that all the time. That's the difference in this league. I, I, I tell people all the time, there's probably in a regular season NFL game, I say there's probably the difference between being a 6-10 and 10 team and a 10-6 team, 25 plays a year. That's the difference. They're so close. You know, that was one of the big shocking things when I went from the college ranks to the NFL ranks, how close the bad teams were to being really good. Player away, bad call away, maybe a position coach, maybe a head coach away, maybe a coordinator from being right there with the other good teams. Everybody is good in that league, even the poor teams with the poor records. A lot of circumstances sometimes play into this. All right. So Julio Jones, this guy is pie in the sky in it right now, in my opinion. I mean, he really thinks somebody is going to make a deal for him at $23 million this year. Give me a break. You know, unless Atlanta somehow picks up the contract and picks up the number for that and picks up a percent. I don't know. I don't know how you can structure a deal like that to soften the blow or being able to move that player. It's going to have to be awful, awful creative to move that player. Okay, but there's a lot of money owed and, and, and figure this out. You owe this guy with a twenty three million dollar cap hit this year. And if you were thinking of moving off of Matt Ryan, there's a sixty eight million dollar cap hit this year. You got two guys that you gave a boatload of money to that you're dying to get out from under. You probably got another year and a half of Matt Ryan there in Atlanta. And Matt Ryan's probably got a year and a half to turn his career around. So you could tell Shannon Sharp all you want. I'm out of here. Dude, I think you're out of there. There's a better chance of you being cut than you being traded. And not because he's not a good player. Don't get me wrong there. It's because of the money. 
Once you get to a certain point, you're not worth the value in the league to, to organize. You think if you put a 32-year-old Julio Jones out there on the market, he's worth $23 million, would you pick that contract up? No, you wouldn't. I'd hang with the guys I have now. He, he, and depending on who my quarterback is. Now, if you're looking at making a one-shot deal and you bring him in to Green Bay, then you have a restructure next year. I don't know. I mean, that there is a really fickle place right now to be if you're Julio Jones. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams and a lot of a lot of teams in the open market looking for you, but then they're going to look at the contract and they're going to pause and they're going to back away from it. They are. All right. So organized team activities. Do you guys know what these things are? Here's what they are. And excuse me if I bring up my Hall of Fame coach because my Hall of Fame coach, Jimmy Johnson, he's my barometer. He's kind of like my holy grail on how I see things and how I compare other coaches to him, how he built one of the greatest dynasties in college football and also one of the greatest NFL dynasties with the Cowboys. I look at how he constructed, how he dealt with people, how he hired assistant coaches, how he dealt with owners, how he dealt with the media. So he's kind of my benchmark. And every time Jimmy used to go, yeah, we're having organized team activities. They're not mandatory. Guys on the Cowboys, when I was there for my cup of coffee, would come to me and go like this. So does he really, you know, he doesn't really think we should be there, the veteran guys. I just went like this. Well, you know, organized team activities, you might as well put the name training camp on it or mandatory meetings. If you're not there, he'll hold it against you. Guy's like, wait a minute, I'm not showing up. I haven't shown up. He goes, I'm just telling you. And then I turned to the Cowboy guys and I said, doesn't matter. 90% of you guys won't be here next year anyway, including me. He'll, he'll fire every guy in the room. And he loves me. Okay? I mean, we're, 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 I'm one of his favorite players, and it doesn't matter. Jimmy will he, – he'll get rid of everybody in the room. Bring his own guys in because what he doesn't want is have people whispering in corners. Oh, he's doing this. He's making me – you show up to everything. If Jimmy sends out a workout or a practice schedule or a organized team activities, non-mandatory, he's only doing it for the league. He's not doing it for you. How much does it matter to you to show up to everything is how he looks at it. League's got their rules. He had the Jimmy Johnson rules. You showed up. So, you got a third-year head football coach now and Matt LaFleur, and you've got all this unrest in the offseason here in Green Bay. So what does Aaron Rodgers do for the very first time? Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up to OTAs. Big deal or no deal? What do you think? I think it's another shot across the bow by the Rodgers camp on how he wants things different in Green Bay. I'm under the belief, I don't think Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Where's he going to go? Where does he go where you see a championship roster? New Orleans? Maybe. Because I don't think Sean Payton 
has the Super Bowl quarterback in his stable right now between Tyson Hill and Jameis Winston? I just don't think he does. Is that the roster? There's a lot of superstars on that team. Alvin Kamara, you talk about one of the great dual threat guys. You know, Thomas, the receiver. Dude, they got some players down there. They really do. They got a great play-calling head coach, too. One of the best in the business. Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the team, they really do a nice job in the draft as well. They got a pretty damn good defense on that side of the ball. Listen, Aaron Rodgers in New Orleans makes more sense than Aaron Rodgers in Denver. Everybody keeps trying to connect the dots to Aaron Rodgers in Denver because of John Elway. I get it, and I I even tweeted that out too, that Denver's in the hunt to try to bring um, Aaron Rodgers to Denver. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, aren't you looking at, you know, you're looking at the back nine of your career right now. Are you going to go to a lesser team? Green Bay is one of the top three rosters in all the National Football League, especially on the offensive side of the football. you got a play-calling offensive head coach that's done a pretty damn good job. Now, you've got Aaron Rodgers slash Michael Jordan on your team. Hey, Mike, turn and shoot. That's what Phil Jackson used to say, right? Okay, I mean, if you're Matt LaFleur, hey, Aaron, throw the ball down the field and into the seam. Okay, right? I mean, you've got trans transcending type players. You're just going to let these guys go out and play inside of a structured offense. I mean, no matter what you tell people, you've got the goats in your huddle, okay? You're Phil, you've got the goat in your bulls huddle. And if you're Matt LaFleur, you've got the goat and Aaron Rodgers in your huddle. So no question, you draw it up on a chalkboard, those guys are going to execute the play that you designed flawlessly because that's just who they are. All that being said here, um, Roger's not showing up. I just think there's things inside the organization that Aaron has problems with. And I would say this to you, you know, after watching and listening to every single person that's come on our show from Jimmy Johnson to Kurt Warner, and Kurt made a point on Friday, and I'll reiterate that point here in a second, but if you're going to be a player like Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers, who's built up that equity to be able to sit there and say, I want to have some say in personnel direction. I want to be able to have some say how we're constructing the roster. You've got to be more engaged inside the organization on what they're doing to construct this roster. You just can't be sitting back and going like this. Yeah, I'd like to have more wideouts. Yeah, I'd like to be able to throw the ball deep. You've got to actually have an influence inside the room, which means this, you know, just showing up to your time and going into meetings and then jumping in your Ferrari and then going home and then bitching in the media that you don't have enough offensive weapons. That's not going to cut it to these NFL teams. And the lack thereof of you being able to restructure your contract when they ask you to, that's also playing into this. Every time the Green Bay Packers have gone to Aaron Rodgers and asked him to restructure his deal, he said no. And there lies the difference between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady works with the organization. Even if they didn't want to listen in New England, there's, there's many times, I mean, I, I, I can tell right now the frustration that Tom had in New England because the happiness that he has in Tampa now, you know, Jason Light, the general manager of the Buccaneers, Goes to Tom two weeks out from the NFL draft. And you know what they say? Hey, listen, we really like this Florida kid, Kyle Trask. We don't think he's going to be taken 
in the first round. And if he's there in the second round, we're going to draft him in the second round. Are you okay with that? I mean, Tom must have just absolutely just been over the top with that. And by the way, what did that lead to? I was going to hit on this a little bit later. Can you imagine if you're Kyle Trask? Tom Brady comes out publicly two weeks ago and says, I'm going to work with the kid. What'd you say? You had Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo in the New England quarterback quarterback room, and you never at any time ever said publicly that you were going to sit around and help Jimmy Garoppolo. Never in a million years. You know why? Bill never went to Tom and said, Tom, could you work with him? You know, we really like this kid. You're going to be out four weeks because of the flake gate. We really want to build this kid up so that when that time comes and you decide to call your putt, you're going to be able to like, you know, have an influence on the next guy who's going to be the guy at that position. You know, there's a way of being a politician to this. And the Patriots were not. They just said, we're doing it this way without Tom's input. And that's why Tom went upstairs to Bob Kraft and said, get this guy's ass out of there. And that's exactly how that played out. We're learning more and more. And now you're hearing Tom Brady say, I'm going to work with Kyle Trask. I'll tell you this. If you're Kyle Trask and you hear Tom Brady, the goat of goats, saying that he's going to work with you. Man, that's the greatest compliment and the greatest coaching lesson you will ever have in your NFL career. It's one thing to be coached by Bruce Arians. So let me get this right. Kyle Trask is going to be coached by Dan Mullen at Florida, and then he's going to be coached by Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Hey, man, I don't know about you, but if that guy, that guy can't fail, he can't fail. He's going to be given the golden ticket, how to move an offense, how to conduct yourself, how to read a defense, how to read a playbook, how to talk to management, how to deal with defensive players, how to deal with troubled players. All the things that Brady has learned, holy cow, man. It'd be like sitting there at, you know, the table and talking religion with the Pope and and, and giving you the interpretation of the Bible. Just sitting there listening to him. You're like, whoa. I mean, it'd be like listening to Henry Ford. This is how we build a car. Okay. Okay, right? This is how we built the telephone. Here, this is how we built, like Edison building the light. You're sitting here just going to take all this in. It's incredible. All right. We are going to talk to our friend, Ross Tucker, one of the best podcasters in the NFL out there. He's next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. 
the Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Scheduled to come up our friend Ross Tucker. We'll talk to him here in a second. Get his thoughts on what's going on, especially the news of today between Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers. I want to make a quick note to you here, though. I don't know if you were watching any of the golf over the weekend with Phil Mickelson, first guy at the age of 50, oldest player ever to win a major championship. I know everybody is always looking to get the old guy out of the room. But look at Tom Brady. Now you have Phil Mickelson. I know that the Lakers ended up dropping game one against the Suns. Look at all the coaches, too, in the National Football League that are older. Bruce Arians, Pete Carroll, um, you know, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, all these guys in their mid to late 60s. Experience matters, man. And there was Phil just looping around that golf course and him bringing home that major championship, I was pretty much engaged watching it the entire Sunday. You know, I'm, I'm, golf's not going to bring me to the television set on Sundays. That's not going to be must-tune in television. That's not going to be lean-forward TV for me. But there's only two people that bring me to the television, and that's Tiger and Phil. Those two guys, whatever there is, Phil's more like Arnold Palmer. Tiger's more like, you know, Tom Brady. In some aspects. And that's how I look at it. Phil's kind of like, if I had to make a comparison, Phil, Phil Mickelson is more like Peyton Manning. You know, that attitude and that, you know, that that looks like they're friendlier guys. And Tom Brady is more like Tiger. You know, laser focus, you know, 
littlest things bug them. You know, I was watching Phil, like I said, just loop around that golf course, and I'm sitting there going, like, I think this guy, and I even tweeted that out at Dan Silio's show. I actually think this guy is going to win his sixth major championship. Sure enough, he ended up bringing it home, his second PGA championship. And it was pretty cool television, I must say. And you find yourself rooting for him. And, and, and you know, I even tweeted out, what do you think is more impressive, what Brady did at his age winning a Super Bowl or what Phil did at his age winning a major championship? I still, of course, obviously, I'm going to hang my hat with what the legendary – Tom Brady did. And, and Tom was tweeting over the weekend too, by the way, at Phil, their boys and all. You know, they did that event a year ago when Tiger was also in it. Tiger and, you know, Phil Mickelson. And, um, you know, it, it, it was really a absolutely fantastic. Peyton Manning was in that event. I mean, what was it, like 12 million people ended up watching that thing last year? I mean, right? More so than some tournaments. You had 12 million people tune in for that charity event that those four dudes did last year. Tiger was in shorts. I mean, I, I, I watched it. And just like I did on Sunday, I thought it was really a fantastic sporting moment. You know, it was a pretty good sporting moment watching Phil Mickelson win that title. Like I said, all the old guys, I know people want to try to run them out of the building, but I thought it was pretty cool television. I'll tell you something else is pretty cool. It's my friend Ross Tucker, man. I'll tell you, this podcast that this dude has has blown up. He is clearly one of the most watched podcasters when it comes to the NFL, and he's just built this baby. Like my friend Adam Caroli has built his, and some of the other guys that have built their podcasts up. He's here with us now here on the National Football Show. Hey, brother, how you doing, man? Silio, doing great, man. Good to actually see you. All the years I've talked to you, on the radio, it's nice to actually see you, man. Absolutely, man. Dude, that that podcast of yours is smoking. Tell the folks how they can listen to it, watch it. I mean, you got to be awful proud. I remember when you said you dropped it. I remember years ago when you first dropped this thing, and I, I, I'm one of the guys. I watch this thing, man. It's fantastic. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I got very fortunate. Uh, I don't know, like 12 years ago, ESPN hired me after I retired to write for them. I was writing for Sports Illustrated. They asked me if I would host their podcast. I said, sure. Literally, Cilio had no idea what a podcast was. <laughs> I just knew they were going to pay me to talk about football. So I did it for a couple years, probably three years, like 2010, 11, 12, maybe. And then I went out on my own in 2013. So I had, I guess they call that the first mover advantage. So I've been doing the Ross Tucker football podcast daily ever since. People can check that out either rosstucker.com or go to youtube.com slash NFL or anywhere where podcasts are found. Uh, YouTube is obviously something that's growing right now. And then the next year, I started a fantasy one, fantasy feast. The year after that, I started a betting one, even money. And uh, I'm very glad I started those two, the fantasy one and even money, the betting, because those obviously – have grown quite a bit over the years as well. So I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. I love having you and listening to you. All right, let's 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 start it out in Green Bay. And, you know, Ross, I've been telling people, we had Kurt Warner on last Friday, and I, I said this, so I don't think it's one thing. I don't think it's Jordan Love. I think it's part of it. Last year in the championship game, bad play calling at the end of the half. They end up giving up that seven points. 
They don't go for it on fourth down. The history of the relationship on how they had to divorce with Brett Favre. The Packers are run by a committee. It's the only team in the NFL that's run by committee. Mark Murphy sits there. He's the CEO of a company. He's not really the owner. And I think over 30 years, you've had two guys, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, albeit you win two Super Bowls. But you've clearly underachieved because there's too many voices in the room. You think that's the upsetting part of this whole thing for him? Well, so to your point, I think this will be year 30 or 31 that they've had a top five quarterback at the position in a row. I mean, I guess you can argue maybe Rodgers' rookie year or his first year starting, he wasn't. But it's like 30 years, bro. They've had a top five quarterback, and they've only gotten to three Super Bowls. I mean, we all know Brady's gotten to 10. He's won seven. Like, it's pretty crazy to think that the – and with, with different teams, by the way, not all just New England. He did it in Tampa now as well, uh, your former team. It's just kind of funny that, that – not funny, but the Packers, they absolutely have underachieved. Considering they had a top-five quarterback for 30 years, you should go to more than three Super Bowls. And I think the thing I say on social media at Ross Tucker NFL is that the Packers are so concerned about the future and long-term sustained success, which by the way, is a very honorable goal and it should be the goal, that they're always seemingly good enough to not quite be good enough. You know, they're good enough to be right there but not quite good enough. They've never done much on free agency. But if this were a team with an owner, if this were Jerry Jones or this were a lot of these cities, they'd be like, hey, we need a new coach in here. We need to do something different. You know, I'm glad we're winning every year, but we're not winning enough. We're not winning at all. But if you're in Green Bay, to your point about the the board of directors or whatever, you're probably only really going to get fired in Green Bay if you're bad. You know, if you have like a couple back-to-back bad years like McCarthy did. As long as you're winning double-digit games and going to the playoffs, it's kind of hard to get fired. So if you're the GM there, Gutekunst, or the head coach, LaFleur, or Murphy, you know, hey, as long as we are in the mix in the playoffs every year, we get to keep these jobs. That doesn't mean that they're not trying to win the Super Bowl. They are. It just means they absolutely always have one eye on the present and one eye on the future. And I think it's gotten to the point where some Packers fans wish, especially here at the end of Aaron's career, and I know Aaron feels this way, that they had two eyes on the present and not such an eye on the future. You know, and and, and Ross, I, I say this, I go, if you're going to take a template on how you look at the future in the same light, looking at the present. Look at what the 49ers did. The 49ers went out. They made a trade. They sent Tampa Bay a third rounder for Steve Young. They end up winning five Super Bowls. They had Montana in the building, and they jettisoned him out of there. And he goes to Kansas City, has success. But they were looking at the future, but they were also looking at the present. But to your point, they won five Super Bowls doing that and that and to their point. I just I just well, look at it there and I'm like this if I'm Aaron. And then I watch what Brady does. Brady wants 
Uh, Leonard Fournette gets him. He wants Gronk gets him. He wants a B gets him. I don't know if I'm, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, everything I asked for goes on deaf ears. Well, all Aaron Rodgers wanted was for them to not cut Jake Kumaro <laughs> and they cut him. I mean, Brady gets anything he wants right in Tampa and rightfully so Rogers comes out the day before final cuts and says, I, Jay Kumro is a lock. He'll be on the team. And the next day they cut him. <laughs> That's almost like disrespectful. Totally. That is, that is, you got to know that burned him up, man. That burned him up. It's like, wow. Cause he knows how bad that makes him look. So I think that's why he's as frustrated as anything. The Jordan Love pick obviously bothered him for all the reasons we already know. And it was really a stupid pick because if you look at Rodgers contractually, he was always going to be there at least two more years and probably three more years. So the value you get from having Jordan Love, from having a rookie quarterback is the rookie contract. But almost no matter what, 50% 50% of, at least 50% of Jordan Love's rookie contract, he's going to be a backup. So you're not even getting the value. I think drafting the heir apparent to Rodgers was a smart decision. If they did it maybe this year, probably next year, definitely the year after that, but 2020, no, that was not good. I'm going to make a point to you and tell me if I'm wrong here on this, what Julio Jones did today. Everyone knows the giant cap number this year and next year, too. You're not paying $20 million for a wideout who's 32. And if this guy thinks there's a market out there for him at $20 million, I think he's high. I think he went out there because he knows that nobody's really going to look at that contract. He had his worst year of his career last year. They didn't really suck that bad. And when I'm talking offensively, I mean, I thought Matt Ryan put up some decent numbers last year. They just can't put anybody on the ground. And so he's going to go to social media and he's going to go out in the market to try to create a market. I mean, I say this to you, Ross. I say this guy after June 1 could be a cap hit casualty and they could end up cutting this guy because it's not that he's a bad player, but that's a bad number that he's got next to his name. What says you? Yeah, so his salary, I think it. I think his- 59, uh, I think. Yeah, 15-3 is yeah. his guaranteed salary. But obviously his cap number in Atlanta- is a lot more than that. 23. Right. A lot more than that, to your point. Uh, but they they want to move on from him. You know, what came out today I thought was interesting is that it's pretty clear he wants out. You know, I thought before this was totally from the Falcons, salary cap issues, wanting to move on and clean them up a little bit. Sounds like Julio wants out. $23 million would be his cap hit uh, this year. $40 million in dead cap money if they move on from him. Wow. That is rough. I don't even know if they're able to do that. They're going to have to – oh, you know what? That's why it's post-June 1st. Excuse me. That's yes. why they're doing the post-June 1st because they can split that up. That's right. But, they can defer that money out now, Ross, because of that new CBA. They can defer that out like they did Gurley in Los Angeles. Right. So I think – um I think he's going to get traded. Okay. Uh, there's a report I saw somewhere today, I can't remember, that somebody offered him a third-round pick. 
Because I do think 15.3 million, there are people that will say that they can get enough value. I mean, a lot of these guys are getting 20 million a year now. You look at Hopkins, some of these contracts, 15 million for Julio at age 32 on a good team. I think there will be some people that feel like that's worth it. The question is, what will they give up draft pick? I don't know if I believe that third round pick, but somebody will give up some draft pick for the rights to pay Julio 15 because it's not just paying him 15. He's got, I believe, uh, a few million guaranteed next year too. He does. uh, It's 2.75, but his his salary next year is about the same. You know, ends up being, uh, his base salary is 11 million the next two years. So you trade for him, you kind of have, you got to have him for three years at, Fairly reasonable. He, in fact, he's only got two million guaranteed next year. Huh. Two million of it's guaranteed for next year. Okay, but then so that maybe, like you said, there is a market out there. A couple last questions for you. I know you got to run, Ross. Let me throw this at you here. I said this the other day that to me, the offseason move has to be in San Francisco. You know, look, I know that Garoppolo has missed fifty three percent of his games. When he's healthy, he's twenty two and eight. There's no doubt. He's a heck of a ball player. But what you've done is you've shown that you have a guy for the present now and Jimmy G, you want that guy on your team. You know you have a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl with him than Trey Lance. If you're the rest of that guy's in the locker room, for me, when I see that Super Bowl roster, I'm sitting in that locker room going, okay, so if Garoppolo's healthy, man, organization really wants to make a run at it, plus they draft their future in this project and Trey Lance – I don't know, man. I, Ross, I feel pretty good if I'm in that San Francisco locker room now. I got two dudes in the locker room. We just got through talking about the present and the future. That's a pretty good job there by John Lynch, the general manager, you know, looking ahead and staying in the present. I agree. I agree. And look, I mean, I think ideally for them, uh, you know, Jimmy has a great year. They win the Super Bowl, and then they got a, a good problem to have. I still think they'd probably move on at that point, but at least they, or maybe they'd franchise tag him for another year and go that route. But at least they have that option now. Whereas every guy in that locker room knows they're going to give them every chance to win this year. They know they need to win this year. So if Jimmy G's playing well, he stays in. If he struggles or gets hurt, They put Trey Lance in, and it unfolds the way it should unfold. And then, by the way, Jimmy G's a free agent, and they'll go ahead and they'll be able to get uh, a comp pick if he goes somewhere else unless he plays great, and then they try to tag and trade him. But I'm with you. I like like the fact that they're sticking with Garoppolo, and I really believe they will as long as he's playing well. How about this one here? Um the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, I, I, I like what I see in Jalen Hurts. I love what the fact that he was coached by Nick Saban and Lincoln and Lincoln Riley, these two guys, completely different philosophies. And he was able to pick the playbook up immediately, which means he understands offense. How about this one? though? let's underline it and underscore it here. Does he have enough talent to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL? I think it depends on how you define franchise quarterback, but yes, I think he does. I I saw enough last year. I define franchise quarterback as a guy that can be a top 20, maybe top 22 
player at the position and and be that guy for your franchise for five to ten years. That's a franchise quarterback. I do think he can do that. I saw enough in that Arizona game, the New Orleans game, where I think he can do that. Doesn't mean he will, but I think he has that ability, Cilio. I don't think I saw enough to think he can be a top 10 guy. I think he'd be between 11 and 20 probably. But look, there's a lot of good quarterbacks between 11 and 20 that the teams that are, you know, at the bottom, they would love to have on as their quarterback. Absolutely love to have as their quarterback. People always are like, top five, top ten. Do you actually do the math? I mean, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you, I'll just pull up one website real quick, okay? Here's who they have as their quarterbacks from 11 to 20. Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert. <laughs> um, I mean, you're talking about these are good players. Roethlisberger, um, Joe Burrow, and that's not including Jimmy G. They got a 22 or Trevor Lawrence at 21. Or Tua. Yeah, they got Kyler Murray at 17. Uh, it kind of surprises me. They got uh, Fitzpatrick at 19, but he played well last year. My point is, is like, even if you go to, they got Daniel Jones at 20 ahead of Trevor Lawrence and Jimmy G at 22, Wentz at 23, uh, Jameis 24. But my point is like, if you have a top 20 quarterback, yeah, you should hold on to that guy for dear life. And I think Jalen Hurts can be that guy. I don't know if he will, but I think he has the ability to be between 11 and 20. I'm not sure he'll ever throw it consistently well enough to be top 10. I mean, top 10, man, you're talking, you know, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. I mean, you're talking about legit, legit guys. I think it's going to be an interesting 2021 season. I can't wait to see how this bad puppy plays out. Brother, it is great catching up with you, man. Thank you so much for always in your kindness for always doing this for me, man. Thank you so much, Ross. Anytime, man. You got uh, Boomer coming up. You got, yeah. uh, I mean, you got a heck of a guest list. You're killing it for Jacob Media. I appreciate you having me on. Always, man. You're just one of the best. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate it, brother. All right. Take care. You got it, man. Ross Tucker, one of my favorites. Absolutely. Hey, so he's a fan. That was interesting, man. He's a fan of Jalen Hurts taking over the reins. In Philadelphia, we'll take a brief time out, and we'll hit on that. We'll do it next right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back. National Football Show with your boy Big Sills. By the way, share the bitch. Share it, okay? No, 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 no. Not me, the show, okay? <laughs> the show. Ross Tucker was awesome, man. I so love that dude. Former player, he gets it. He started that podcast. Man, I'll never forget. Yeah, he bolted from ESPN and said, I'm out, dude. Same thing with my boy, Adam Caroli. Adam Caroli just said, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. So you know what he ended up doing? Homie ended up saying, I'm out, man. He was he was making a killing with a radio company, and he just goes like this, I'm out, and started his own podcast, and it's one of the most listened to podcasts next to Joe Rogan there is out there on the internet. And so many people are making that switch. And before the record, you know, the one thing that we do here at Jacob Media, we, we span the globe, like my friend Jim McKay used to say, radio podcasting, everything. We have it here for you. We're kind of like your one-shot place. You know what I mean? You, you come here, you get everything you need, man. It's all good. So, you know, I, I thought Ross hit on something there. You know, it's, it's, it's really great to hear when you get different opinions about a respected athlete like Jalen Hurts. You know, last Friday, there's no question, I thought Kurt Warner was like this. Hey, look, do I – like him as a quarterback, how he handles himself, the intangibles that he brings to a team. Do people gravitate to him? Yes. Has he seen enough? That's where he paused, and he backed up a little bit. Just a couple minutes ago, Ross Tucker just said, I've seen enough, man. I think this kid, if given the opportunity. And see, I think Ross looks at it, and I think he looks at it correctly. If you're talking, is he Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. Okay. Can he be Dak? Maybe. Remember something about Dak Prescott? He's the highest paid dude at that position right now annually. And that guy's probably a top 10 dude. Maybe 11, 12, right? Okay. And he's making the most this year. As starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think Ross looks at it correct. Look at it like this. You got a top 20 dude. Can you win a Super Bowl? Yeah. I've seen lesser guys. Nick Foles is a lesser dude. Kurt, uh, uh, um, Trent Dilfer is a lesser dude. 
Brad Johnson is a lesser dude. Joe Flacco is a lesser dude. These guys have all won Super Bowls, man. So it's possible if you've constructed your team correctly, okay? If I were the Eagles and I had Jalen Hurts as my starting quarterback, I would be constructing my football team exactly on how they're putting that team together in Baltimore. Here's what I like, though, more about Jalen Hurts than I do about Lamar. Even though Lamar has, and, and, and know this, Lamar has the stats to, to back his side of this argument up. Lamar has actually led the NFL in passing touchdowns, so he's capable of doing it. But I actually think that Jalen Hurts is a tad bit more accurate than what Lamar is. I think Lamar creates a lot of quarterback passing lanes with his versatility to be able to get out into the perimeter and to be able to run. I'll tell you this. If there's a better open field ta- a better open field runner, and I mean that even at the running back spot, then Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Ravens, you show me. This guy has, without a doubt, without a doubt, shown you the versatility. I do think he's a hit away from having a tragic ending to that career. I think anytime that you put yourself in that kind of position where you're going to get hit 200 some odd times because you're carrying the rock for your offense, you're, you're destined to have issues. Ask RG3. But I, I do think listening to Ross, I think Ross Tucker has it right. See, Ross looks at it like this. Look, you got a top 20 guy. If you're in that top 20, top 15, you're going to win, man. You got, a, you got an elite guy. Yeah, you know what's funny? And, and, and thinking the way he's looking at this, you got to look at it like, well, wait a minute here, man. There's only 32 of these jobs on the planet. 32 of these jobs on the planet. So when you get down, down to like 28, 29, 30, these guys are still the elite dudes in the world at the position that they have as quarterback of an NFL roster. Dude, you're one of the best people to ever play the position in the NFL currently right now, if you hold one of them jobs, right? So you know, you, you you hear the media go, oh, this guy's not very – well, dude, I don't know about you, man. He's a starter in the league. And there's not very many dudes in the league that have keys to a franchise. You just don't throw the keys to the franchise and go, well, he sucks. It doesn't really matter. That's not what you're doing there because there comes an economic price tag with that too. you got a starter on your team. You're paying north of $20 million for that guy unless he's on a rookie contract. So you you better open up your eyes. And you better be really good at that position when it comes to evaluating that position. You just can't be sitting back going like this. Well, I don't care. That's why you don't win. So I thought that was interesting. I think the other comment too, you know, he and I are both on the same page with the Packers. Okay, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has got to look at this right now. And I agree with 100% with him. Okay. He ain't going anywhere this year. There's no way. This is kind of like a shot across the bow. But 31 years, you've had a top five quarterback in your franchise. And you've been to the Super Bowl three times. Hey, I know some organizations would kill to get to a Super Bowl three times in their history. I get it. Okay? I, I totally get it. I think the Bucks have only been to two. I mean, right? Seattle's been to 
two. You know, the Bears have been to two. The Jets have been to one. Cardinals won. There's some teams out there, right, that even haven't been able to get scratch anything when it comes to getting to a Super Bowl. I'd like to beat the Vikings, and you lost all them Super Bowls. I think it's four that you ended up losing. Bills lose four. <laughs> wow. Mm. Just to get to that game, though, it'd be all good with me, man, right? Just get to that game. So when, when you have one of these elite guys, man, you got to do more than just having, you know, the fans fill the stadium at Lambeau Field. You got Brett freaking Favre and Aaron freaking Rodgers on your team, and you've been to three, and you've won two of those things. That is so underachieving. I don't know who's more underachieving. That ring, I would say this, that string of Rodgers and Favre and having Andrew Luck and having Peyton Manning, and you guys got to those limited amount of Super Bowls, only winning one of them, you could put those two right together there. How could you have Andrew Luck, and how could you have Peyton Manning and only win one of those things? How can you have Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and only win two of those things? See, when you want to be considered an elite franchise, which Green Bay is, Green Bay has an elite logo. It's one of the gold standard logos in the NFL. No question. Steelers, Cowboys, okay. Uh, Raiders is in that conversation too. Giants. All right, those 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 trend those those transcending logos that have been part of the NFL for over a hundred years. You know, Washington used to, but now because of political correctness, that Washington nickname is no longer part of the history of that team, which you really do a damage to the history of that team. I'm not saying you shouldn't have addressed it. I'm just saying it'd be like taking the Cowboys off Dallas. Okay. Yeah. That whole thing was part of the history of the Washington football team. And you've kind of taken away a, a, a little bit of how the fans and their recognition recognition of that franchise. There's no doubt you have. That's why they haven't had a nickname. You know why they haven't had a nickname? They don't want to damage the heritage of that franchise anymore. Can you imagine naming it something else? Name it the Warriors or whatever. I don't know what you're going to name it. If I were them, I'd leave it the same way right now. But again, back to the Green Bay. Man, you had those dudes in the room, and you can't win a Super Bowl. Uh, you could completely see the frustration that you have if you're Aaron Rodgers. You don't you, – you fire a guy. You were going to fire Aaron Jones this year too. Remember they had him out there? He was being told, and Aaron Jones went out there and said, well, it looks like I'm going to be a free agent. The Packers aren't going to bring me back. Over 24 hours later, all of a sudden, Aaron Jones had a brand new extension. And there's no question, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, I think, and his people probably stepped up and said, wait a minute here. What are we going to do? What are we, what are we doing? I can't keep one guy on my roster. And Tom Brady, that's what I would be doing too. If I were Aaron Rodgers, I'd be bringing up Brady every day. Brady wants AB, gets him. And get, get this. You know what you say too? You know what else you say? Do you know what else you do too? You're doing this. You're constantly pointing that out because that's the one thing that you don't do. 
You don't do anything when it comes to building my football team. You don't do anything when it comes to doing that. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, man, I'm looking at it as simply as I look at what's going on there with, with, uh, there's no doubt. I look at it and I look at it and I I do the same thing. I go like this with Tom Brady gets everything. And I got to sit here and fight, scratch and claw for every single freaking thing just so that we can be competitive every year. And it just absolutely doesn't make any sense whatsoever. All right. We're going to catch up with our friend Tom Thayer in the second hour part of the broadcast for the Chicago Bears. Boomer and Sison will also join us. You keep it right here for hour two on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show Hour 2, Hour Packed. In this hour, we'll talk to our friend Tom Thayer. Yes, Tom Thayer, who was in that offensive line on that spectacular 85 Bears team, part of the WBBM Chicago Bears broadcast. And part of the broadcast team for the Chicago Bears will join us and we'll get his thoughts on the upcoming season, what's going on at the quarterback spot, do the Bears have a chance um, in that North division to maybe make some noise. You know, they did it with Mitchell Trubisky. They won a lot of games with Matt Nagy. So 
we'll see if the head coach can work his magic there with with Justin Fields and their pick out of Ohio State. Will he start the opener? Will he not? How are they going to go forward? So we'll talk to Tom. Also in this hour, we will talk to our friend Boomer Size from WFAN slash CBS Sports and the NFL on CBS. We will talk with him and get his thoughts on all the news going on in the NFL, including the Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers story. By the way, this week is Deshaun Watson week. I would say this to you. It's the Sean Watson watch week because they have OTAs this week. Will he show up? Will he not show up? Will the NFL put Watson on the uh, commissioner's exempt list? We really don't know anything. There's been a lot of – how about this? There's been a lot of no noise. I know. I'm confused too. Okay? There's been a lot of this. Nothing. And especially with a polarizing story like this, there's a lot of nothing. Okay, well, don't you think that you just gave a guy a year ago $185 million and you're paying him $38 million. Don't you think people and the league and folks around the league want to know what's going on with your guy? Tyrod Taylor is going to be your starting quarterback going into the 2021 season. Is he or is he not? How's the NFL handling this? How are the Texans handling this? How are the McNairs handling this? You know, Cal McNair, I mean, he addressed it a little bit last week. He goes, we really don't know. You mean you don't know what's going on? Truly, really. You don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Okay. So we'll leave it at that there. And we'll just say this. It's Deshaun Watson watch week. Okay. That's kind of all I'll say on that. All right. Let me get into a story that I saw and I, I look, I don't really like to go down racial conversations. Cause you know why racial conversations are for political talkers. Let those idiots deal with it. Let those people deal with those fake things and those fake narratives and everything's race and going after pancake boxes and, Cracker Barrel and all that. You let, let them guys do all that stuff. I don't care. I, I really don't care. Okay? If something aggravates you and you get offended by it, don't buy it. Don't watch it. No one's telling you to do anything. You don't have to buy the Aunt Jemima pancake box. Nobody's making you. That stuff to me means nothing. Zero. It's not in my world. So race in sports, race in a locker room, are you crazy? I said this to you last week. Do you truly think that a coach does this? Well, I got a black player's chalkboard here and a white player's chalkboard. Man, we got way too many black guys on our team. You think people really think that? <laughs> in the NFL, well, that guy's – Racists don't make it in the NFL, not any longer. You put the best people you possibly can in that position to win games. So I saw a story with Eugene Chung, former assistant coach um, in the NFL. I think he was even with the Eagles. I know he did some work with the Patriots. And he was going through an interview process, I would say probably part of the Rooney Rule. And he was one of the candidates that was being brought in to uh, probably – fulfill that rule that you have to bring in certain amount of minorities if you're going to 
be looking at a potential job. Okay. You have to, that's what the Rooney rule is set up for. And he was told, and again, I don't know if this is fact, I'm going to take the coach and the former NFL player at his word. He was say, he was told um, that he wasn't the right minority. He's Asian American, as you know. And if you don't know, that's what he is. And he's, he's being told that he's not the right minority. If this is the case, once again, the National Football League gets caught with egg on their face. I don't know if you guys remember the story. This goes back when Jeff Ireland was the general manager of the Dolphins. And remember what he asked Des Bryant? And this is out of his mouth, not mine. Hey, so what do you have with uh, all the comments out there that your mother's a prostitute? He was actually asked that question in the interview. It was a pre-draft interview question. And Jeff Ireland asked him. Now, you got to remember something. These general managers, and by the way, it's completely inappropriate. But some of these general managers and some of these owners ask questions because they want to see your reaction. Will you blow a gasket? And will you lose your composure? Most people who are going to give somebody $50 million or going to give somebody a $150 million contract and guarantee much of that money, they don't want you blowing up in the media. And they want you to be able to conduct yourself in a way because not everybody's going to ask you the right questions, especially if you're the face of the franchise and you're a starting quarterback. You got to remember that. So I know where and how they were doing this. I was asked the question when I was being uh, interviewed by numerous teams. On my pre-draft, I was asked any mafia members in your family. And I said, if I had mafia members in my family, you know how I answered it? I went like, they go, Dan, any, um, any uh, organized crime members in your family? Because I was Italian. I went like this. If I had organized crime members in my family, you think I'd be sitting here? <laughs> and, and everyone, they laughed their ass off because I thought it was such a preposterous and dumb question. I gave them a dumb question back. You ask a dumb question. My, my, my philosophy has always been, you ask a dumb question, you're going to get a dumb answer. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to come back and go, oh, what kind of, you're, you're, you're insulting my Italian heritage? No, he's just stupid because he asked a dumb question and an inappropriate question. But the NFL is notorious for this. You, you, you know, everybody keeps looking around why some of these coaches don't get jobs. Why do you think? It's because the way they answer in their job interviews. You know, it, it, it's just the way that they get asked. And they respond poorly. That's why some guys, they blow the interview away. You know, they just, because they're prepared for it. And so he went public with this. I guess he was asked a question by, I believe it was one of, one of the Boston newspapers. He was asked, and he was asked about how Asian American hate crimes, and that's on the rise, which by the way it is, and it's absolutely disgusting that that is on the rise in this country. It's, it's disgusting. There's no, there's no, I never got that. I don't, I never understood any of it. Okay. With the whole coronavirus stuff, that, how do you even tie that in? I just never, I, it, I, I don't see how sometimes people are on the same path and it just has no common sense to it. How you can even do that. 
But Chung was asked this question, and here's here's where I go with the NFL. There's got to be a better interview process when it comes to these potential coaches that are being asked to potentially take over one of these franchises. There's got to be more due diligence. There's got to be more professionals asking. I don't think that you have a right to ask racist questions. I don't think you have a right to ask inappropriate questions about one's family. These these owners have done this, and these general managers and these hiring firms have done this forever. And this is why some guys, look, look at David Culley, the head coach of the Houston Texans. He's waited 29 years for this opportunity. I mean, he's waited 29 years for this chance to become a head coach, okay? No doubt. And it's probably because, again, he had to wait because he had to learn how to do the inner the interview process. All right, we're going to take a brief time out here. We're going to catch up with our friend Tom Thayer, and we're going to go knee-deep into Chicago Bears football. Will Justin Fields be the starter on the opening day? We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome 
Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Later on in the show, we'll talk to our friend Boomer Tyson, and we will get his thoughts on all the things going on in the National Football League, our friend from WFAN slash CBS. Another one of my friends actually played against this guy, and I got to tell you, man, you know, he's been part of the broadcast team for a long time with that Chicago Bears broadcast, and some of the greatest fans of all time are there in Chicago. And what I used to love to go up to Chicago, Tom Thayer joins us now here on the National Football Show. Mongo and <laughs> Mongo would bring us around along with Dan Hampton. We would go down to Rush Street and we would just get absolutely, you know what, faced. <laughs> and then when they came down to Tampa, we would bring them to Malika's and all these dudes would, hey, the first part of any Tampa game in Tampa, we we we, ha- we let's just say this, Tom. We 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 had to kind of let you know get all the buzz out of us here a little bit. Those games where I got off usually to slow starts. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. You know, when you bring up Hampton and McMichael, I always think back of the movie North Dallas 40. Because if you had if you could have two guys that could go right from the football field and star in that movie and not really be very much out of character. Hampton and Mongo, Hampton and Steve McMichael, that's the crew, man. And I, you know, I, I just saw him. Uh, we had an event for Steve McMichael. Obviously, he's uh, fighting the ALS condition. And uh, however, he's uh, he's got a great frame of mind. And they had just unequal support for him. But the characters I remember, because I grew up a Bears fan my whole life, are like the guys you talk about. You know what, too, Tom, I tell you that. You know, I tell people this all the time. When you've had success and you've been around guys like that and you go through the journey, you know, we forget the games as we get a little older, but we never forget the journeys. And that team is as thick as Blood Brothers anywhere you can find in sports, isn't it? That 85, you know, really from that 83 all the way through probably 90 team, that those guys were just as they were they were Blood Brothers. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because before I came to the Bears, I was playing in the USFL. And I had played with a couple guys on my USFL team that uh, one had a tryout time with the Bears and the other one was Steve McMichael's roommate in New England. So I had plenty of forewarning of how serious they took their everyday responsibilities for their job. So it wasn't just to show up on game day and, and play like heck. It was show up on practice, work hard, work hard in the weight room. And that's why I think we have the kind of relationships that we do after all these years with the guys in that team because uh, we, we grew into a brotherhood that is, is unequaled in, in, a lot of, um, in a lot of aspects. Let's get to the current Bears here. Um, give me the buzz about Justin Fields and how you feel about the kid being added to the roster and how the Bears have taken him into the organization. You know, I mean, he did an unbelievable, you know, Ryan Pace, first of all, being able to move up in the draft when he saw some of the quarterbacks sliding and he knew he had a good relationship with the New York Giants and was able to make that deal. Because I want to tell you, Thursday morning, I was in a grocery stores here around the Chicagoland area and the fan base was expressing such a disappointment in the Bears and the direction they were going. And there was no hype to live up to morning seeing some of those same people you would have think that we just put the Lombardi trophy back in Hallis Hall and we're ready to go and it's a, a lot of it is to do with the excitement of what Justin Fields can provide for the future here 
and maybe tap into one of those decade quarterback talents. And um, I know that the expectations are high, but I think they have a crew of guys here, um, uh, Bill Lazor and John Filippo and Matt Nagy and the rest of the guys. They're going to be able to have patience getting him ready because they do have Andy Dalton here. But the future expectations for the Bears is through the roof. Do you think he starts week one? Or how about this one? Do you think we see him week one, Justin Fields? Uh, yeah. You know what? I got to tell you, if if Aaron Rodgers was not playing for Green Bay this year, I start. I play him starting the first week of the season. I let him go through that growth process. However, if Aaron Rodgers is still up in, in Green Bay, then I probably start Andy Dalton. Allow him to introduce Justin Fields to the ropes of the NFL. Understand how you have to be prepared for the competition you're going to face. The Bears have a tough schedule. They open up in Los Angeles, and those guys haven't had a crowd in that brand-new stadium yet. So I think they're, it's a little bit undecided how they're going to handle Justin, but I do think the perfect case scenario is is let him let him go through growing pains on the sideline and then eventually earn his opportunity to get on the field. How do you think the Bears did in the offseason constructing the roster? Uh, you know, I, I think they did a nice job. Unfortunately, they had to get rid of Kyle Fuller. He was an important part of this football team. They were able to get um, Allen Robinson onto the franchise deal. The offensive line has got a lot of versatility and a lot of experience now in the interior of the offensive line. So there's going to be a lot of attention focused on second-round draft choice Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State to see if he has the skills to convert from a predominantly a right tackle in college over to left tackle in the NFL. So if things work out in terms of Tevin Jenkins, I, I do think the upside is is tremendous because, you know, they got David Montgomery. They have the development of Cole, uh, uh, Cole Komet. <clears throat> Excuse me. They still have Jimmy Graham. They have Darnell Mooney, who emerged onto the scene last year as a late-round wide receiver uh, draft pick. So they have a lot of pieces in place, but you got to get Robert Quinn to get back to his old style of play and put consistent pressure on the quarterback. And I think that will open up some opportunities for Khalil Mack. You got to get um, Roquan Smith to stay healthy for all uh, 17 games because he has all pro potential. And if he can play and do a skill set, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year for the Bears. But again, I still think Aaron Rodgers is one of the top two players in the NFL. And if he's not in Green Bay, I think this division's wide open. Matt Nagy, you know what? I, I, I tell people all the time that if, I don't care who you are. Look at Belichick when he was in Cleveland. If you don't have the signal caller and you don't have the quarterback, Tom, you know this as well as I do, you're not going to win a game in this league. And you can have a Super Bowl roster, but if that position is not solidified, you're just not going to win. And I say that, but yet Nagy has won in Chicago. And I mean, no disrespect, and I'm not throwing any shade on Mitchell Trubisky. I said this when he came out of Carolina. I thought he was a green apple on the tree that just didn't get red. I think that there's a chance down the line where maybe he could be something in this league still. But this is not a league where, you know what, you have a minor league system. So you got to be ready to play right now. So, I mean, he's won. How do you see Matt Nagy? Do you see him the same way I do? I think he's a hell of a coach. You know, unfortunately, Matt Nagy didn't have a hand in the pick of Mitchell Trubisky. He wasn't here yet with the Bears. It was a John Fox-led staff. 
So if Matt Nagy would have been able to investigate the talent at the time of John Watson, Patrick Holmes, and Mitchell Trubisky, I'm not so sure they would have chosen Mitchell Trubisky when they traded up to that second pick because we know how talented those other two guys are. There's, there's no fighting that fact. However, Matt Nagy has more of a hand in hand-picking uh, Justin Fields going forward. So to me, I, I hope he gets the chance to be in the same system for a couple of years and gives Matt Nagy an opportunity to develop the future of Justin Fields because, like I said, he's got an unbelievable upside. But you also have to use his versatility as an asset because you're going to have to use that 4-4 gifted speed. He's got great accuracy. He's very smooth. So all those developmental skills that Justin has, if Matt, if he can be in the same system for two, three, four years, you never know what his upside ultimately can be. Final question for you. Tell me how real that was, the pursuit of Russell Wilson. Was this just one of those media storms that just ended up getting bigger and bigger with not a lot of context with it? Or what's her actual conversation? I think there was actual conversation because, you know, Ryan Pace did a good job of not knowing us, not letting us know what he's thinking. And that's the, you know, the deal for Mitchell Trubisky or the deal for Khalil Mack. So I know if there's an opportunity out there for a guy with those types of credentials to be pursued, if you put the right deal in front of him and he can get teams to listen, he's willing to, you know, um, take advantage of that opportunity, just like he on draft night when he moved up to the Giants, made them an offer that they couldn't turn down. And the Bears now are moving forward with Justin Fields. Absolutely. I I think it's going to be a very exciting time there in Chicago. I can't wait to see what Justin Fields does. Hey, man, make sure you send our love to uh, Mongo, man, because he's one of the absolutely great dudes. When I first got into the league, he came up to me because, you know, he's not the tallest dude on the planet. He goes, you're the dude they signed in the supplemental draft, right? I go, yeah. He goes, good luck to you, kid. Patted me on the head, and I looked over. I'll never forget. I looked over. I go, holy cow, that's Steve McMichael. You don't, That guy doesn't know I have a poster from him at Texas in my bedroom. Still to this day, we became friends after that. Such a great dude. Tom, it's always great. I value our friendship so much. Have a great one, brother. All right, buddy. You too. You got it. That is Tom Thayer, part of the broadcast team for the Chicago Bears. I do think it's going to be an interesting time. And I've said this before about Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy is a good coach. And he wasn't there in the process of evaluating Mitchell Trubisky. Now, Mitchell Trubisky, I think, had only played like 13 or 14 games as a starting quarterback um, at North Carolina. Now, remember something. When Jason Pierre-Paul was at the University of South Florida, you know, They drafted him in the first round, and you got to remember something. When he came out of the first round, I think he got drafted by the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, and he had only played seven or eight games. Okay, that's a defensive end. You know, when you're a quarterback, there's so many more nuances that you have to go through being able to read your progressions, being able to read defenses. You know, many guys in college today, you know, they're not under center. The majority of these kids that come out of college, I they're in the shotgun. A lot of these kids, when they get into OTAs, it, sometimes it's the very first time that these guys will take a snap from center. How many times, like you watch a North Carolina game, or you watch a Oklahoma game, or you watch a Texas game, and you see these guys always in the shotgun? You're even starting to see that stuff now at Alabama. 
spread offenses. You want the quarterback being able to be back there as quick as possible. So what's the best remedy to do that? That is to start him back in the shotgun. So when these kids show up, think about that for a minute. Mr. Trubisky, when he came into the league, had learned how to, had to take snaps. All right, let's change gears here and go to my friend Boomer Esiason from CBS Sports. And I got to tell you, man, it's awesome to having Boomer on, him taking time for us here. First thing I got to tell you, Boomer, Sean McManus said to say hello to you and get ready for a very interesting football season. Yeah, 17 games are not paying me any more money. I can tell you that, Dano. Good to see you, by the <laughs> hey, way. Boom. What are you doing, Baylor? Well, I just I just got out of the uh, out of the dentist chair, so I'm just gonna have a cocktail with you. All right, is that all right? Hold on for a second. I want to show you something while you're drinking that cocktail. <laughs> all right, what do we have here? How's that? What what is that? Is that our Maryland? Uh, is that that's the, the 1983 ACC championship yes. that you won? What a great ride that was. That was the year that you um, you were the player of the game in the North Carolina game. We hadn't beaten them in such a long time. I still got my, my championship ring. I got to tell you, man, those were some of the best memories, man. And Frank Reich, too, being part of that. I mean, yeah. you ever look back? Swede's in a movie. Your boy's the head coach of the Colts. Here you are. I mean, isn't that a crazy journey, Boomer? It, it really is, Dan. And, you know, great memories for sure. And those memories last a lifetime. Just just like the high school memories that we both had uh, playing football with our high school teammates as well as our college teammates. I'll tell you one thing. Frank will tell you this. Stan Gelball will tell you this. Neil Donald, Scott Zolak, myself. We were very, very lucky that Bobby Ross came to the University of Maryland when he did. I had two years left. He and Ralph Friedgen put me in a pro-style offense with Joe Kreedak as a quarterback coach. And I would not have been in the NFL had it not been for those two guys. Three guys, Absolutely. Actually. I remember you always going like this too, dude. I hate that guy, Ben Bennett. I'll leave it there. Let's just move on to today's. <laughs> Let's move on to today's. Can you believe what's going on in Green Bay? Give me your take on what's going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Now he's not showing up to organized team activities. Yeah, it kind of sounds like deja vu all over again with Brett Favre, if you remember. But, uh, you know, I think Aaron's trying to put his foot down. First of all, let me just say this. I hope he gets the Jeopardy gig. I thought he was great at it. I thought I did he, too. Uh, I, th I thought he showed great reverence to uh, the late Alex Trebek. I thought he showed great reverence to the audience, knowing how to actually act up there as a host. I, was, I wasn't shocked that he was that good because I know how much he loves that show. So I hope he gets it. So that's me selfishly as a Jeopardy fan saying that. And I hope he stays in Green Bay. I, I want him to go down as the greatest quarterback in Green Bay history. Uh, he still has a lot to prove up there in Green Bay. You know, Brett Favre won three uh, MVPs. Uh, you know, Bart Starr won a couple Super Bowls. Uh, so I would say that, you know, he still has a lot to prove there. And I want to see him end his career there. So hopefully he and uh, the Green Bay Packers will come to a contract extension. Usually when they say it's not about money, it's always about money. It's always about the future. And I think what he's trying to do right now, Dan, He's trying to secure his future. I went through something similar back in 1992 with the Bengals. I, when they fired my coach, I said I didn't want to start over with a new coach. They said I had to stay one more year. They drafted David Klingler, and then they traded me to the Jets. And I will say this to all quarterbacks out there who are unhappy in their current situation, the grass ain't always greener. Somebody can tell you that. The money may be, but the grass ain't. 
You know, I, I, I threw this out in the last hour to Ross Tucker, and I'll throw it at you here. Here's my problem with the Packers. Like, you, you broached it too, Boomer. Look at the way they ended that relationship with Favre. Look at how they're having this relationship with Rodgers. Look at how they do everything by committee. It's the only NFL team with no owner, and they do everything by committee. 31 years, you've had a top five guy, and you've only been to three Super Bowls. And I say that with respect, and you've won two. You have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and you got two titles. You talk about underachieving. I mean, even in San Francisco, when they had Montana and Young, they won five. I mean, that's an under – they do everything by committee, and I got to think that that's part of the rub here, no? So, so, Dan, I'm a big fan of Mark Murphy. He's the guy who's essentially running the franchise. I think he's a terrific guy. I think he's a terrific football evaluator. They knew they had a problem between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. And then they moved on from Mike McCarthy and they brought in Matt LaFleur. And all Matt LaFleur has done is have put it together a top five offense over the last two years. And, and Aaron Rodgers have had two of his best years, back-to-back years, uh, with Matt LaFleur. So they went out and they got him a new coach. Uh, they have three all pros on that uh, offense playing along with him, one at running back, one at left tackle, one at wide receiver. He himself is an all pro. They had to fix the defense and they had to spend money. 20% of the salary cap number. Unfortunately, you can't just surround him with all of these great players like they can do in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady when he's only making 25 million. So if you want the money, then the performance has got to be better than what it has been. And quite frankly, you know, it was fourth and goal last year in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. Everybody wants to kill Matt LaFleur for doing what he did, you know, and, and deciding to kick the field goal there and then put it on his defense because his defense was playing great. No, Matt, Aaron Rodgers had three shots at the end zone and they could not get the ball in the end zone. So maybe that played into the, uh, the you know, the decision by Matt LaFleur, which he would never admit to anyway. So, at the end of the day, it's too much drama for me. I wish he would just stay there, give him a new contract, give him a few more extra guaranteed dollars over the next couple of years, protect what he sees as his future because he believes in his heart. Maybe not the rest of us don't believe this, but I believe that he believes in his heart that maybe they believe that Jordan Love is the next coming and will be the next great quarterback there. So, you know, it, it, it's a very delicate situation for sure. But I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers anywhere else. And the only other place that I could possibly see him would be Denver, because that's the only place that would be able to fit him under the salary cap. They have to do some other maneuvering. And there's no way that Green Bay is going to trade him within the conference. I said the move of the offseason, Boomer, has to be in San Francisco. They they stayed in the present by keeping Garoppolo on the roster. I get it, too. He's 22-8, and eight, went healthy, and he's missed 53% of his games. Can't have that when you got a guy missing half the season. They were able to trade up. They get their future at the three-hole there with Trey Lance. If I'm in that locker room, too, Boomer, I look at it like this. They didn't trade, as of now at least, they haven't traded Garoppolo away. And I'm looking at it going, okay, well, they're looking to win right now because there's no way Lance is going to beat this kid out right now, at least, unless he comes in and turns into Cam Newton or something, right. young Cam Newton. So if that to me is the move, you're able to keep your, your present and look to the future. Do you agree? I do agree. It, it reminds me of what uh, Andy Reid did with Alex Smith in Kansas City. He knew he had a, he had a uh, playoff caliber quarterback. The question is, did he have a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? And Alex, as much as I respect and admire him, you know, in the playoff games, especially that last playoff game against Pittsburgh prior 
prospect to them drafting Patrick Mahomes. I think they felt like they had to go out and get a young guy that was going to be more aggressive. They did. They let him sit. They gave Alex a chance to take a very good team to the playoffs, and then they traded Alex to a team that gave him a contract extension. So Alex shouldn't be upset by anything as the way it went down in Kansas City. I would think that that's what they would love to have happen in San Francisco, that same type of situation. Jimmy has actually gotten into the Super Bowl, lest we forget that the, the, the defense of the 49ers collapsed in the fourth quarter against Patrick Mahomes, or they could have been able to do what Tampa Bay did to him last year, but they were unable to do that in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, it all falls on Jimmy G that he was not Joe Montana or Steve Young in a Super Bowl performance. So he's capable of doing that. And they're they're one of the teams, they're in a very t- difficult division, Dan, but they're one of the teams that I would hate to put a rookie quarterback out there with right now because that the rest of the players, the, the, the players that know that they are good enough to make it to the Super Bowl, I would be happy with that. So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, try to get back to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G if he can stay healthy and then trade him in the offseason to somebody when he is a much hotter commodity if he stays healthy and gets this team to the Super Bowl. Two last questions for you, Boomer. Um, Carson Wentz and Indy, do you think he has success there with Frank? Do you think Frank can fix all the things there that maybe went wrong in Philadelphia? Uh, you're smiling. I like. I can't wait to hear this yeah. one. Well, I, I think you could answer that question. You know what I'm going to say. Of course, I think Frank can do it. You know, this will be the fourth year that Frank will start the season with a different quarterback. So he started with Andrew Luck, then Jacoby Brissett, last year Phillip Rivers, and now it's Carson Wentz. And, you know, I did talk to Frank. I interviewed him much like you were interviewing me a couple of weeks ago. And I did ask him about Carson Wentz and fitting. And, you know, Indianapolis has got a really good team. And here's the little secret about Frank Reich that nobody really seems to talk about. Maybe some people within the inner circles of the NFL. He's a great play designer. He's an unbelievable play caller. And he's about as aggressive as there is in the NFL. And if you play quarterback in the NFL, you want to play for him for two reasons. One, he really does want to run the ball despite what people think. And number two, he's going to put the quarterback in a great situation to complete about 65% of his passes. If he, if the quarterback just doesn't throw an interception at the most inopportune time, which has happened a couple of times over the last three years, you know, this team could have been to the Super Bowl a couple of times. So I think he's really happy about being reunited with Carson once. He loved them coming out of North Dakota State. He compared him to Andrew Luck. And the reason he compared him to Andrew Luck had nothing to do with physically, although physically you could say that they're very, very similar. It's up here. It's the football IQ that he has. And I think uh, I think he took a lot on his shoulders last year in Philadelphia, a beat-up team, a team that was basically out of the running by midseason, and now he's going to be rejuvenated. And I'm telling you, he's going to be comeback player of the year. If not, he's, he's definitely going to be a uh, – I, I think he'll be a Pro Bowl player for Frank. You know, Boomer, you know, you know him as well as anybody. And I tell people this all the time when he's constructing a game plan, it's more around the persona and the personality of the guy than it is sitting there going out there trying to jam a square peg in a round hole. He takes the player's mentality, his personality, and then he constructs an offense. And I mean, that may sound a little deep for some people out there, but I think, like you said, that connection was lost when he was in Philadelphia because no disrespect and not any throwing shade on Doug Peterson, but you saw he holding on to the ball, holding on to the ball, sack, turnover, field position, teams up seven nothing or three nothing on you because he he was second guessing what was being asked to him. 
Yeah, that's what he was. That's what he was, yes. Let me let me let me throw you over to Philly now with, with Jalen well, Hurts. Well, I was just gonna say one thing about I was just gonna say one thing about what Frank does. Frank adapts. So yes. he had a great athlete and a very, very bright player in Andrew Luck. And look at Andrew Luck's year. He had one of his best years ever and then came back and retired the next year. Had to throw Jacoby Brissett in there. Jacoby Brissett actually played well for them. It was their defense that didn't play as well as Frank was hoping they were gonna play, I'm sure. And then Jacoby it was the fall guy in Indianapolis. He has eyes in the fans' eyes. You know how that whole that whole thing goes. So he goes out and he gets a plotting Philip Rivers that has cinder blocks for feet at this age and barely can throw. And they go all the way to the playoffs, and Philip has a fantastic year. Then he decides to retire. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to get his Ferrari back. This is a kid that can run with the football. So that part of the arsenal will be back in the offense of the Indianapolis Colts. You watch and see. They didn't have that last year. Last year it was all drop back. It was quick passes, all this other stuff. You may see some RPOs here. You're going to see some uh, rollouts. Carson's got a cannon for an arm. You could see some rollouts to the left, throw it back to the right, that kind of thing. So it's like the mad scientist all over for Frank Reich in Indianapolis. And that's why I'm so bullish on them reuniting, especially Carson's not even 30 years old yet. So he's got a lot, a lot of mileage left. And I think it's going to be brought out by Frank this year. All right, this one's going to need a drink. You need to take one here because I'm going to take yeah, you to okay. Philadelphia here. Okay. You're, you're, you're going to need you're going to need a drink on this one here. Yes. When you look at Jalen Hurts, you think this guy has the goods to be able to lead that franchise. Um, how about this? Let's just let's just go to a winning record. Do you think he's that good of a quarterback or still incomplete? Yeah, I don't think the team's that good. I don't think their team is good enough to support him. You know, when they ultimately went to the Super Bowl. One of the reasons why they were able to do that, number one, Carson had a fantastic second year. I think it was his second year. Uh, he was on pace to be MVP. But the real key, and I say this to you lovingly, even though I hate you guys that play defensive line, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles had maybe the best defensive and offensive line combination in the NFL that year that they won the Super Bowl. Now, let's face it, it is about the line of scrimmage. Yeah, of course, the quarterback's got to make the key throws, the key plays. He's got to be able to calm down and calm everybody else down. Everybody's got to believe in him for sure. That's maybe the most important aspect of any quarterback. But you still got to have the players, the horses, on the offense of the defensive line. And that's why they were really good that year. I don't think his team is that good. So he's going to struggle. He's a good enough athlete to go out and make plays. Uh, I don't. I think he's fearless. I think he expects to win. I know that he loves the game of football because he transfers out of Alabama when Tua comes there and he goes on and he still has a great season. And then he gets drafted in the second round. And you know what? He showed enough flashes last year. Well, he'll keep them in games. There's no question about that. I just, you know, is he a top 20 quarterback going into the season? Absolutely not. You know, Boomer, I tell people this. I'll never forget when draft day came. We were all sitting around down in College Park. You go in the second round. Two guys from that team, uh, Ron Salt and Pete, go in the first round. And I never forget you go like this. Okay. And just like Tom Brady, I don't know what it is about yeah. you guys who don't go in the first round. You guys have lumber yards on your shoulder. And it's mm -hmm. no doubt where you're sitting right now, that great career you had in the NFL – your broadcasting career, absolutely. All of those little kind of like fires on the log kind of led you to where you are right now. I was there when you went, I can't, can you, I remember you looking around going, I'm not a first round. I went, <laughs> I, I don't, I went like this. I'll never forget. We're all sitting at that bar and I'm going, 
I can't believe this, man. And well, am I right know, when I say that, Boomer, that you're, you've been yeah. driven your whole life? Yeah, well, there's no question about it, you know, and uh, a lot of it has to do with your upbringing and, you know, who's in your life uh, at the most important times in your life. You know, I, I lost my mother when I was seven and my dad basically sacrificed everything for me. He was a World War II vet, Dan, and uh, so he knew all about sacrifice and he had to raise two daughters and me by himself and he did that. Uh, we didn't make a lot of money. We, our house was $17,000. You know, we all have a history and a backstory. And then it was my high school coach, Sal Champy in East Islip, who really was my biggest champion. And oddly enough, you're not going to believe this, but oddly enough, my high school coach learned how to coach and love playing football because of his own high school coach. And his, his high school coach that was his mentor was none other. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Then Frank Reich Sr. No way! Yes. So Frank was born in Long Island, and his father moved back to Pennsylvania, 11 in Pennsylvania, when Frank was probably like three or four years old. And what he remembers most, or at least what Frank was telling me, what he remembers most about his dad and the stories that he used to tell all involved a guy by the name of Sal Champy. And Sal Champy later on in life turned out to be my head coach, and when Frank signed at the University of Maryland, we never knew this. And it was after a spring game where I came out and Frank had announced that he was coming to Maryland that Frank's dad ran into Sal Champy probably some 20 years, maybe about 18 or 19 years later from when he last saw him, which is when they saw each other back at Lawrence High School in Long Island. Holy cow. Where did George O'Leary fit in? How, hey, 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 Boomer, where did George O'Leary fit in the picture? Okay. <clears throat> So George O'Leary coached at Central Islip High School. And Central Islip High School is where Mike and John Tice came from. So, so I grew up in East Islip. So I played at East Islip High School. Never, I, never saw, I, I didn't play against those guys in football in high school. I played against Mike in basketball. And I didn't, we, didn't, we had a bigger school than Mike's school. But when I got to Maryland, those guys obviously were connected to George O'Leary. My high school coach was connected to him. And then, of course, we all knew the Maryland coaches. And that's one of the reasons why I ended up at Maryland was because of the success that those guys were having at Maryland. And I was, uh, that was the only school that offered me a football scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> because of those guys. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Brian Baker's also on Frank's staff right now. You know that? Yes, of course I know that. Yes. <laughs> hey, Boomer, let me let you go, right. dude. I can't put you know, no past you, dude. Thing. If you. If you ever became a head coach, you would do the same thing. You would hire the guys oh, yeah. that you felt mirrored your character, mirrored who you are, yeah. mirrored what you wanted to get done on the field. And, you know, Brian and, and Frank were close to college, and it, it did not surprise me when Frank hired them. Hey, real quick, Tebow, what's, what, what's your take on that real quick, on him going, I don't really care. I don't care either. I'm not against it, actually. You know, I, I'm I, not I, either. I don't care. He's a not. He's a 53rd guy. Who cares if he makes the team? God bless him. He loves the game. He loves football. You know, I I I hear a lot about locker room guys. When he was here at the Jets, I thought it was a mistake because, and it ended up getting Mike Tannenbaum, the Jet uh, GM, fired. I, and I said it like the day that they signed him. I came on the next day of the radio. I said Mike Patton Tannenbaum just got his uh, firing papers. <laughs> They're going to bring this guy in. It's going to be a circus act. And it's not going to be right. Now, this may be the same thing with Urban Meyer, but it's a little bit different. It's Jacksonville. It's Florida. He has history there. He's a name. Um, and, I, I, and he's a good guy. He's a really good yes. person. And I have nothing against good people 
getting opportunities. And if they have a relationship, so what? Who cares? All these coaches and players have relationships. They, you know, the, the NFL is incestual in that in that regards. So, you know, we see a lot of ex-players standing on sidelines as coaches now because the head coach had them as a player, for God's sake. So that's kind of like, I think, this thing with Urban Meyer. If, if Tim makes it, he does great. If he doesn't, maybe he becomes part of the coaching staff. So good for him. Absolutely. Boomer, go finish that drink, man. Love you so much, man. Thank you so much for doing this, brother. Cheers. Keep it up, Danny. See you, bud. You got it. Salute, man. That is Boomer Asias and our dear friend there. All right. We'll take a quick time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Zilio. Hey, like I tell you, do me a favor, share the show. Man, what a big-time roster we had today. Ross Tucker joined us from the Ross Tucker podcast. We had Tom Thayer from the broadcast team from the Chicago Bears, and we just talked with Boomer and from CBS Sports, gave us his thoughts on all NFL-related topics. So hopefully you'll like it, you'll share it, and like what we're doing here over the next couple months here as we get ready for the upcoming NFL season. We have so many things on the table here for the National Football Show. I want to get back to a topic that I kind of broached earlier. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you 
One of the reasons that I failed in the NFL, I say this to you and, you know, I, I, I say this to you because this is my downfall. So when I see players out there or I see potential that doesn't end up fulfilling that potential, I, I recognize it right away because it's kind of how I failed. By the way, one of the reasons why I love broadcasting so much, because I said, if I got into something again that I truly love and that I truly have a passion for, I would never take it for granted. So I got into the NFL and I'll never forget. I, I had worked my entire backside off to get to a point where I could be considered to be drafted into the NFL. I ended up being the 56th player taken in the 1988 NFL draft. Second round. Today, back then it was third round. Today, it's the second round. Middle to the upper part of the first round. I signed a contract that was comparable to Jerome Brown. By the way, Chris Carter, the Hall of Famer, and Brian Bosworth were in this supplemental draft with me. And... Obviously, one guy turned out to be a Hall of Famer, and that was Chris Carter. Went to the Eagles, had a drug issue, but he cut him. Goes on to have a Hall of Fame career because he learned to let, you know, I'll tell you the story one day. Buddy Ryan cut Chris Carter from the Eagles because, you know why? He told him, you have a drug problem. You'll thank me later. And he was right. He was right. And Chris will tell you the, the story. He had a drug problem when he was in Philly and he cleaned himself up, went to Minnesota and never looked back. Best thing ever happened to Chris Carter was him going and getting released by the Eagles anyway. So I had worked my entire ass off to get to the NFL and get an opportunity. High draft choice played on a national championship program at the University of Miami, had coach Jimmy Johnson, played with all those legendary players that came out of that place, considered one of the best players to come out of that place. Get to the NFL. I get to the Bucs. The environment sucks. Coaching sucks. Team's attitude sucks. Facility sucked. You hear how I'm talking? You know what you need to say when you get to the NFL? So what? You can't let all those little things pile up on you. And you know what? You think you're strong mentally. You do until you find out what adversity is. You know, you think you're powerful and made of like the man of steel. Nothing can happen to you. All of a sudden, all those environmental things it starts to like just deteriorate your championship attitude. And you go from being here to being there. By the way, I'm not blaming the Buccaneers for my failure. I'm blaming me for my failure because I didn't recognize it quick enough. And I had to be mentally tougher than that. So what? They were paying me. Let's make it $25,000 a week. Shut up, man. Suck it up. Yeah, people out there are doing this. Hey, Dan, I get up off my ass. I make $15 an hour. I work eight hours a day to support my family. 
Nobody feels sorry. For, you're right. I had a grandfather who said the same thing. Hey, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I just let that whole thing just deteriorate. I didn't fail in the NFL because of not being able to. I ran 4.8 to 280. I bench pressed almost 600 pounds. It wasn't anything to do with anything physical. It had everything to do with the most important muscle in your body, your brain. What a colossal disaster I was. You let all those noises affect your success. Hey, adversity comes, man. You got to bow your chin, put it up there. Can't look down. Can't have your head down. And this is what a lot of these NFL guys are going to do. The good players are going to crappy teams. And it ain't going to be like going to Clemson. You think Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence is in for a rude awakening. Yeah, when you're at Clemson, hey, everything's a parade. You're the toast of the town. You're on one of the best programs in college football. Everywhere you go, you got the best team. Not this time. This will be the first time in his life he's going to be on a football team 80% of the time where he doesn't have the best team on the field. He's never had that in high school. College, he does now in the pros. That, my friends, is a shocker. I played at a great high school program. I played at a legendary. Hell, I played at two, really. Maryland and the University of Miami. I played at two legendary football programs. Legendary. And then I got to the NFL. I mean, I was never on a good team. I was never on a good team. And believe me when I tell you, that stuff wears on you. But you can't let it. So a lot of these guys are going to be going through a lot. That's why when I hear Kyle Trask is going to the Bucs, he gets drafted in the second round. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians both are saying this. We're going to work with the kid. We really like him. He really seemingly just fits in right now. He's got all the intangible. All these guys are saying this. My God almighty, if you are, if, if, if you're Kyle Trask, you must be in heaven right now. I got Tom Brady and Bruce Arians coaching me. And if I have any issues, and by the way, you know how many, just like Boomer Esiason, you know how many scholarships he had offered to him? One, the Gators. Only one football program offered him a scholarship, the Gators. Dan Mullen saw something in him like he did with Dak Prescott. He said, there's something about this kid. Bruce Arian said the same thing. When we had him on the show here on the National Football Show, you can go back and listen to that interview. He said something about the kid, man. He's got an intangible we like. He's really a special guy. He's really a special kid. I like him. Drafted him in the second round. This kid may end up going on and being the best quarterback, including Trevor Lawrence, in this draft of this year in 2021 because he's got the holy grail in front of him. Brady's going to show you how to do it, and Bruce Arians is going to tell you how to think about it. 
they're going to construct offenses so that he, I, I, I can't tell you, the money that he's making this year, he should give it back to the Buccaneers because of the education that he's going to get. This is like, you're like going to a trade school and your teachers are Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Think of that, how much that would cost to go to Harvard and be taught by the ultimate, the Super Bowl winning coach is going to teach you how to play the game and Tom Brady is going to show you how to execute a game plan. I, 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 like, I, I, I've asked already Bruce Arians to try to get Kyle Trask on the show because I can't wait to talk to this kid. I, I, I think he, <laughs> hey, man, you should just give your salary back for your rookie year and just give it back to the Bucks and go like this. Hey, man, thank you so much uh, for, for showing me and helping me become an NFL quarterback. All right. I want to thank my boy Krause and Cal and Big Joe for making this all happen. Want to thank the guys who jumped on the show today, Ross Tucker, also Tom Thayer, and of course the legendary Boomer size. And don't forget to catch tomorrow going four to six. The only place you can catch a national football show is on the Jacob Media Channel. We shall catch you on the flip side. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.